tune in every Saturday morning when we bring you this kind of information. And get your questions together. This is a great time to ask questions about wills, trusts, deeds, how the attorneys advance medical directives, ask questions about probating an estate, what happens to property when someone dies, how does that work, and trust. What's a trust? How does it work? Okay, so it's important that you know these things. If you're an adult, uh, whether you're married or not, whether you have children or not, grandchildren, nieces or nephews, whether you are active in your church, your sorority, your fraternity, this information can make the difference between you being able to keep control over your assets if you get sick, God forbid, but also to be sure they're used for you and then used after your death in the best way that you want them to be done. This can be done. You need the assistance of a lawyer who does this kind of work, but it can be done and it's worth doing, okay? This program is brought to you by my law office, Wills and Trusts, LLC. The only type of law that we do at my office is prepare wills, trusts, power of attorneys, advanced medical directives. We assist people in administering estates and trusts. So give us a call at 240-638-2828, 240-638-2828, and we'll be glad to work with you, to send you the client information form, to make sure that as best we can, your property is secure and it's the way it's taken care of in the way in which you want so that you benefit from it as long as you're alive. And then when you die, it is distributed in the way that you want. Okay? So give us a call at 240-461. I'm sorry, 240-638-2828. And someone will call you back if it's not answered immediately. And we will get the information to you. I like to have specific information about you first. And then... Um, we schedule the video or audio conference to talk about your needs. Okay, now while I'm on the air, this is a great time to call if you have questions. 1-800-450-7876. 1-800-450-7876. And uh, Doug, my, my uh, WOL uh, uh, board operator, uh, and um, we'll call, we'll call, we'll let me know that you're on the air because this is all being done remotely. Uh, and I'll be glad to listen to your questions and do my best to answer them. But please remember, there's no attorney-client relationship established by anything that's said on the program. This is only for information and educational purposes. Uh, you must seek individual attention from a lawyer uh, to determine what is best for you and then to have that uh, taken care of. But call, I'll be glad to explain as best I can the considerations that uh, are important to, to address your concerns. And um, 1-800-450-7876. And call early if you don't mind so that I have more time to listen and to answer your questions, okay? 
Law is powerful. It can help you or it can hurt you. It impacts everything that you do. What you don't know about the law can hurt you, but what you do know about law empowers you. Each week, this program attempts to inform, educate, and empower you. So be sure to listen each Saturday morning, and I'll be glad to answer your questions and to try and give you information that is useful. Um, I thought also that I might veer a little bit towards, because people often ask me about ideas for how to, or things that um, I might suggest for raising kids and exposing them to uh, things that would be useful and helpful to them. And something came up uh, uh, this week that, that was so simple, and I said, you know, let me just share this with my listeners. I believe that our children, our grandchildren, our nieces, our nephews, and ourselves should know about the world as much as possible. We should know about other countries, other cultures, um, not just for educational purposes, but also economically. The world is so small now. A child now who is 10 or 11 years old, there's no reason to believe that that child won't be able to work in or sell products to or interact with and work with people all around the world, okay? It's happening now. It can happen to your children as well. I know I know, people who um, uh, work with people in Israel and the U.K. and all these other places, and there's no reason why you can't do that and your children can't do that. So to encourage that, since sometimes our schools don't talk about those things that much, may I suggest a few things that would at least be interesting to you as well as educational for your children? Simple, inexpensive things. So, for example, in my house when my kids were growing up, I almost always had a world map on the wall. Just buy a world map tape it or pin it up or somewhere like that on your wall. What that does is it gives them an idea that they may live in D.C. or Mississippi or Chicago or wherever they are, but guess what? The world is really big. And then you can play games with where's China, where's Russia, where's England, where's uh, the Virgin Islands. And we will live in Virgin Islands, which is usually just a little spot on the dot, on, on the map, you know? But it opened their eyes and made them realize, wow, there are all these other places in the world. And in today's world, you can listen to the news, and when you hear about Miramar, something's going on in Miramar, go look it up on the map, or go look it up, where's Putin, where's Russia? If you look at how big Russia is, you understand a little bit more about the map. Now, if you don't have I don't I don't see them around anymore, but probably could find them online. You know, a world map. You, <laughs> what brought this to my mind was I went to buy a shower curtain the other day at a shower. I'll give them a plug, and there was a shower curtain of a world map, and of course I bought it. You know, but just having that on my 
on my shower in the bathroom, you can just sit there and look at it. Well, wow, there's Russia, there's China. Now I understand where Hong Kong is and how it's related to this and that and so on. So I just wanted to, like, pass on that little note to you if for yourself, for your own, um, if you're curious about the world, get a world map. If you want to, just get it in a shower curtain, and, and you can look at it there. And then relate it to what's going on in the world. Relate it to uh, what you're reading about or you're hearing about or you're seeing it. Um, some of you know I'm a big Formula One fan. And one of the reasons, along with fast cars and all the rest of it, that I like it is because they literally travel all around the world. They're in Baku, which is in Amazon right now. Literally right now, it's on TV right now. The race will be on tomorrow on ESPN2. And they are, not only are the 20 drivers from all over the world, they physically travel all around the world. And you get to see pictures of the countries where they are and learn a little bit about it. So I just wanted to share that with you uh, for what it's worth. It's just an idea, take it or leave it, but um, I wanted to share that with you. Okay, so let's go back to law. As I said before, law is very powerful. It can help you or it can hurt you. It really impacts property, really impacts property. So let me tell you some things that um, it's important for you to know. Every week, I always give you the names of the three documents that all adults should have. All adults should have a last will and testament, a power of attorney, an advanced medical directive. A last will and testament, a power of attorney, an advanced medical directive. All adults should have that. If you own property, oh, and, and maybe a trust, if you want privacy, if you have dependent heirs, that you want to control your assets after your death, you want to avoid probate, there are just some really, really important things that a trust can do, but not everybody needs to have a trust. What I want to focus in on today, though, is property rights. What do I mean by that? When lawyers say property we usually mean all types of property. We mean deeds to houses. We mean bank accounts, uh, brokerage accounts, certificates of deposit, uh, stock. Um, any kind of property is important. And where I want to focus today, although I'm open to answer any questions that you may have, and please do feel free to call in with your questions, 1-800-450-7876. What I want to focus on today is a very common, I'm getting more and more phone calls about circumstance, where property rights, and I don't mind if you restrict it in your own mind to deeds and houses, because that's what lay people usually mean when they say property. They're talking about a house or land, you know, something like that, apartment buildings or something. Even if you want to just talk about that, that's a, that's we can focus on that. If you think that or you expect to own a share or an interest in any kind of 
property, as I've just defined it, in a house, in an apartment building, in a rental unit, in land, you have to have your interest memorialized in writing, preferably in a deed. What do I mean by that? And let me give you some examples. You've been giving your mother money to invest. Your mother likes to invest. Or maybe you live in a different state or even a different country, and you're giving your relative, your mother, your brother, your father, your uncle, your aunt, doesn't really matter, good friends. You've been giving them money, and they are using some of your money to buy property, okay? And you expect that since you are contributing funds to this, that you are going to get an interest in this property, or at the very least, some kind of benefit from this property. You absolutely must have whatever interest you are expecting to have put in writing by a lawyer, preferably, in a legally defensible way. If it is a substantial part of what is being purchased with your money, your name needs to be on the deed. Let me repeat that. If you are donating half or more of the down payment on property, you may want to say, if I'm going to give you this money, then I want my name on the deed. Okay? I want, or if they say, well, your name can't be on the deed for whatever reason, then say, this is what I recommend. Okay, let's do this as a business. This is a business enterprise. And I'm talking about when you're doing it with your family even, when it, because people get greedy when somebody dies. I hate to be quite that blunt, but I'm seeing a lot of that where either in family, in non-traditional relationships, and what do I mean by that? You live with somebody. You put your money together, you're paying for the, the maybe they pay the mortgage, but you pay everything else, you know, or sometimes you help to pay the mortgage. Um, you may or may not be married. If you're married, it's a little bit better, but even then you got to protect yourself, okay? Uh, it might be your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your your uncle. It doesn't matter who it is. If your name is not on the deed, and that person dies, you have to have something to protect your rights in the property. You have to. You have to have something that's in writing. It has to be legally defensible. And I strongly recommend that a lawyer be the one to prepare the document for you. The best thing to have with respect to property, and I'm talking now more about the traditional layman's term. When you are contributing to a house, when you are contributing to a land, land, when you are contributing to a, you know, whatever, your name needs to be on the title document. That's the preference. That's the best thing to do. If someone is 
is buying property, let's say rental property, property that's going to be rented. Okay, so they're not going to live in it, but you, it's going it's rental. That's that's a good investment. It's a very good investment, and you are, you know, contributing to the down payment on it. Um, then form a business, form an LLC or a corporation. All right, it could be uh, Miss Agatha Brown and Daughters Inc. Uh, Miss Mister Robert Jones and Sons. Uh, uh, Mr. Uh, the Jones Family Corporation. I, you know, I don't care what it is, but have it properly formed, preferably by a business lawyer. Accountants do this kind of thing too. I'm not too comfortable with that, but a lot of accountants do. And hopefully they know what they're doing. But form a corporation or an LLC. Have the share, have your name put on the ownership documents of that corporation have your name put down for your share so let's say there are you know you got your your mother your father and two brothers and all of you are putting money down to the to buy this property so uh and let's say all of you are putting in an equal share all right so each one of your names should be on a separate share document membership unit document, ownership document. It, it doesn't have to be on the deed if it's owned by a corporation. But you need to have some kind of a title document that you have a copy of, then the property's title is in the name of that corporation, and you are protected, okay? That is really important because people are dying, and People that put the money up for them are being left out. And it's happening among strangers. It's happening among family members. It's happening among. I had a man call and tell me uh, that he had given uh, his good friend X amount of money to, to, to buy something with. But when the friend died, the family put him out, changed the lock took the car. Did you know, I have had families that have legally gone to a lawyer as soon as their mother died and evicted the man who raised them. On the other side I've had families who have put out the woman that raised them, who had been with the father for over twenty years, had raised them as children and literally had her evicted not more than two months after the man died. And she didn't have anywhere to go. In one instance, in the other instance, thank God, she had a child, an adult child, who took her in and arranged for her care. But after 20 years, her name was not on anything. Don't allow yourself to be in that position. There are certain cultures in this in, in in the United States, who don't realize a lot of the women I understand don't realize that they have a right to have their names on the deeds. They have a right to have their names on the bank accounts. And if they're working and putting their money in, or even if they're not putting money in, they're raising the children, they're taking care of the man, or the man is taking care of the woman, 
and it takes all of that to succeed, you have a right to benefit from the property, the assets, and the money that is being generated. And you must have your name on the deed, preferably. That's the best place for it to be, is on the deed, okay? And you can tell them, I said so. If you're putting your money into property and you expect to be protected when somebody dies or if somebody dies, get your name on the deed. You don't put your name on the deed, put it on some kind of ownership document. Now, you might say, Attorney Mitchell, they say they're going to put it on my will. They're going to put it in a will, okay? If they're going to put it in a will, then you should have a copy of the will. But you must also understand that a will can be changed at any time. And I have seen families that have taken somebody's in the hospital, they take another will up there for them to sign, and you're out. You're out. You know, and it's really hard to prove that the person didn't know what they were signing when they signed something. Not impossible, but it's hard to prove. So you're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. The name of my company is Wills and Trust LLC because that's all we do. And um, I'm really trying to tell you how to protect yourself because I'm getting a lot more calls as, as, as property in this area skyrocket in value. I'm seeing people get really greedy when somebody dies. And I don't care how much they tell you they love you. I don't care how much they tell you, oh, no, baby, my, my baby won't do this, or my children won't do this. They love you. They're this, they're that, they're so on like that. You've got to protect yourself, okay? You've got to protect yourself. Because if you don't have the proper documentation in writing in a legally enforceable way, you can literally be out on the street. Okay, I have people calling me up saying, Ms. Mitchell, I went to the grocery store and came back and they had changed the locks on the door. Ms. Mitchell, they took the car. Ms. Mitchell, they, they went into the house and took all the things that were important. Okay, um, don't let yourself be in that position. When I come back after break, I'm going to talk about specific types of relationships that I find that people are in where they get hurt a lot more uh, because there are particular situations where you are especially vulnerable and if you don't protect yourself, you and your children will be out in the cold, okay? You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. Give me a call to help you with these things at 240-638-2828, 240-638-2828. Give us a call at Wills and Trust LLC, which sponsors this program at 240-638-2828, 240-638-2828. Today I thought I would focus, I mean, you're welcome to call in with whatever questions you have, and there are no dumb questions, by the way, 
uh, about wills, about deeds, what happens to property when somebody dies. But I, I, I thought I would focus today on the importance of having deeds and wills when, particularly when you are in a rather vulnerable situation. In the last, the earlier part of the program, I concentrated on uh, where you've contributed money and our resources, sweat equity, we call it in law sometimes, uh, but your name, get your name on the deed, okay? Get your name on the deed. If you can't get it, that's the best place for it to be. Uh, if you can't get it on the deed, get some kind of document from a lawyer, not not something that you write up. Cause when it comes to land and houses, it has to be in writing, cannot be verbal. That's what's called in law the statute of frauds. And when it comes to real estate or anything that's going to be happening over one year time, it has to be in writing. Okay, so you you want to either have your name on the deed. If uh, it's not on the deed, then have if it's a rental or you're contributing to rental property or something that you expect to generate money and funds or is generating money and funds, then have a lawyer form your corporation, okay, or an LLC, and have your name in writing put on the shares of the corporation or the, it's called membership unit. That's the ownership document of the LLC. And you have a copy of it. It was called the, the, the role, the role of the shares or the, you know, where there's a listing of who owns what. Make sure your name is on there for whatever the percentage is of your ownership. Okay. And, and if you're going to use, a lot of people like to use accountants for this, or they like to do it themselves. Make sure it is done right. It's done complete. There's an operating agreement that's actually prepared, again, preferably by a business lawyer. I don't do that. I know people who do that. And make sure that it provides for what is to happen when someone dies. Where do your shares go? Because if Mr. Jones owns the corporation or owns 50% and Ms. Jones owns 50%, when Mr. Jones dies, his shares go where his will says they're supposed to go. Or if they're in the name of the trust, which is what I try to get my clients to do, if they have a trust, then the successor trustee to Mr. Jones now owns those shares and they distribute those shares the way Mr. Jones said to do it in his trust. So this is important because do let me let me give you some specifics of things that happen when uh, people are in particular kinds of vul I'm going to call it vulnerable situations. Okay, let's let's get more specific. Number one, if you are in a I'm going to call it a non-traditional relationship with someone with whom you are sharing your money as well as your life. I include in this common law marriages. If you're in what you call a common law marriage, I call that a non-traditional relationship. It is because even though the district recognizes common law marriages, Maryland does not. Even though 
the district may recognize it, often you have to prove it in court in order to establish it. And that means lawyers, it means legal fees, it means time, it means effort, it means testimony. It is not a given, okay? Just because you live with someone for a long time does not establish a common law marriage. I haven't done one of these in years and years. In fact, I've never done one up here. But as as I recall, it's not enough just to do that. You have to call each other husband and wife. You have to refer it to each other as husband and wife. You have to, you know, I mean, it's a hard to prove. And when you are fighting the family of someone who is trying to take from you the property that you thought you had a right to, that's when having in writing a deed with your name on it makes all the difference in the world. Having a bank account with either your name on it as a co-owner or as a payable on death beneficiary is much more secure than just you saying, well, we were really in a common law marriage. We've been together for 30 years. The law does not respect that if you don't take it to the next step, either by getting married or by having a will done that you have a copy of that you can prove. Because I've seen people tear up wills. I've seen people change wills at the last minute. I've seen people take them to people when they're sick and have uh, have them change the will. Um, so the best thing for you to do is to have your name on the deed to property if you think you own a part of it. And you can have it as joint tenants with rights of survivorship. That is the way in which it's best if your intentions are that when one dies, the survivor owns it all. When one dies, the survivor owns it all. And this can be used for anyone. I've done it for sisters. For example, I've had sisters who live together in a home. I don't remember, and it doesn't really matter if they inherited it from their parent or not, or they just bought it together and they had always been together. Uh, I've had brothers. I've had boyfriend and girlfriend. Uh, I've had same-sex uh, couples. Um, I've had just good friends, you know, but they put in their money together, whether they live together or not, but their intention is that when one dies, the survivor owns it all. It's really, really important, okay? Um, I'm getting as if there is a, is there a caller on the line, Doug? Is there a caller on the line? Well, maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. But that is the way in which you make sure your name is on the deed. It's clear that when you're in the intention, you're, and it has to be all the names that are involved. They're, all of their names have to be on the deed. Okay. And understand something. Mr. Jones can own the property and let's say Mr. Robert Jones owns this property and uh, he lives with his brother, okay, Mr. Damien Jones. 
And they want to make sure that when, if Mr. Damien Jones dies first, then Robert Jones owns it. If Robert Jones dies first, then Mr. Damien Jones owns it. You have, then they come to a lawyer, even if both the names are on there, unless it says joint tenants with rights of survivorship, the law is going to split it in half when one of them dies. So instead of having that happen, just let have a lawyer change it. And by that, do another deed that says that both of them have to sign, and then it has to be recorded that says joint tenants. They still both own it, but they own it as joint tenants with rights of survivorship, which means whichever one dies first, the survivor owns it all. You can do this in a common law relationship. You can do this in a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. You can do this in a same-sex relationship. You can do this in a sibling relationship. You can do this in any kind of a, a legal environment where your intention is that if one person dies, and it can be more than one, it can be two or three. I'm doing one now where there are three people involved, but their intentions are that when one dies, the survivor owns it all. And then when the second one dies, the, the survivor will own it all. Okay? So that's important. That's extremely important. It's so important that you get yourself protected legally. Get a lawyer to make sure that your assets are in the best possible position. Uh, so uh, call us. Call us at 240-638-2828 for uh, assistance in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Um, If you do not live in these areas, find a lawyer that lives in your state and preferably one that does this type of work, estate planning it's called um, primarily, uh, uh, but a lot of lawyers do this, and they do other things too. So I'm not trying to say that only a specialist can do this. That's not true. Okay, but but you want to get it done. You also want to make sure that the title to your deeds are in order and that um, they are public records, true. But if you are contributing money and you think that your name should be on the deed and somebody tells you, that they put your name on the deed, get a copy of it, get a copy of it. You to go on and get, if they won't give it to you, go online and get a copy of it. Now, what you cannot get while somebody is alive, and this is a misconception, you can't get a copy of somebody's will until after they die. And even then, only if they have recorded it or filed it in the Register of Wills office, where in the county in which they live. And what's happening these days, I've noticed, and may have been happening before, is people just aren't filing the wills. And if you don't even have a copy of the will, then you are out of luck. Um, There are procedures. I've not done one, but you might be able to go to a lawyer, and I've seen it, at least in the law, that says that you can sue somebody to produce a will. I don't know. I've never done it. I don't know that that can be done, but I think I've seen it somewhere. Uh, So that might be an approach. 
Uh, if, on the other hand, there are people who, you know, I've seen people tear up wills. And if you don't have, well, I shouldn't say I've seen them do it, but I know that it was done. Uh, in that case, if you have a copy at least, in some states, you can have the copy presented to the court, and the court may or may not uh, accept it, uh, particularly if you can show that it is a will that distributes property separately from the way it would go if there were no will. Usually the person tearing up the will has been someone who would inherit through what we call intestacy, which is the law that governs distribution where there is no will. So um, say there's a grandmother. I think a lady called up one time that said her grandmother always said that she wanted the grandchildren who she raised to get her property. Uh, that would cut out the the child or children uh, because the law gives the property to her children first. And, of course, this is where the husband has died already. Um, and I've, you know, had cases where people allege, at least, that the children tore up the will. And if the grandchildren didn't have a copy of the will, at least, there was nothing more that we could do about it because we couldn't prove it. Verbal, uh, oral testimony about the existence of a will does not cut it at all in court because anybody could get up and say anything. So it's really important that you have in writing your expectations about property in a legally enforceable way. That's why I say go to a lawyer and get this done. It is worth it. Where you have three hundred and four hundred and $500,000 in property values, it is worth it to have this done properly so that your your cases are, are, are defensible. They can be, um, you can get your share, whatever that might be, uh, and, and when it's done properly, there's much less uh, probability of deceit, of fraud, and so on. And do understand something. Even when you have a will or a trust that goes against what somebody else wants, it's your property. You can do what you want to with it. Okay, I've had the reading of the will where people are quite upset. They they don't they they didn't like it. They didn't expect it. But you know what? That was that person's wishes and they were enforced whether people liked it or not. Okay? I've had people say, I don't understand why my mother did that. I don't understand why she gave more money to this person than that money, uh, that person. That's their right. But to enforce it, you've got to put it, you've got to have a lawyer put it in writing. It's got to be, and somebody's got to have a copy of it, preferably an original. Okay? So you're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell, and I'm talking to people in all relationships but particularly those that are in a non-traditional relationship. I'm also talking to those of you who have 
a family situation where, because I've seen where brothers and sisters stop talking to each other. They, they, because one has managed to get control over property and they don't want to give it up. They don't want to share it. They usually have their excuses and their reasons why. Maybe they feel that, well, I'm the one that took care of mama. I'm the one that worked to make this happen. Whatever the reason is, it's up to you to be able to protect your own rights. And you've got to get that done while the person is alive, preferably. It's really hard and expensive to try and assert rights over property once someone or the person who owns that property dies. It's very, very hard to do. So don't depend on that. Don't um, don't think, well, it's only going to be just, and the judge, when they hear my case, they're going to know that I'm right. Might not. You might not even get to court. Okay? You might get thrown out of court. Um, judges, the law says you have a right to do this. And if you don't do it, then you're the one that's going to lose out. Okay? You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. Uh, I'm here every Saturday morning. If you have questions about deeds, if you have questions about power of attorneys, advanced medical directives, uh, I had said just before, and I didn't do it, so when I come back after this particular, this next break, I'm going to tell you how to do your deeds in such a way that you leave your share to your children. Okay, uh, I talked about earlier joint tenancy's rights of survivorship, where the survivor receives all of it when someone dies. There is a way in which a person is able to um, have a share in property, and when that person dies, their children will get, or their heirs, their intended heirs, not necessarily their children, but whoever they name in their estate document, in their will or in their trust, they will get the property and be co-owners along with the other owners of the property, okay? You want to make sure that your children get your share, or you want to at least control your share separate and apart from your brother and sister. You'll still own it with them, and your share will still be owned with them by whoever you leave it to. But it doesn't go away as it would in the rights of survivorship, joint tenants with rights of survivorship uh, deed. Then you do what we call tenants in common. So let's say Mr. Mr. Robert Jones, Mr. Damian Jones, and Ms. Esther Jones are brothers and sisters, and they all own a home on Capitol Hill that maybe was left by their parents, or maybe they bought it together. It doesn't really matter. Uh, maybe their mother bought it as a rental property, and she deeded it or she left it in her will to her three children. Whatever it is, they're owned in three parts by three different people. It's very valuable property, and so Miss Esther Jones wants to make sure that her children get her share. 
and so the ownership of the property on the deed should be as tenants in common. Tenants in common. The law says if there is nothing at the end of your name in terms of as grantees, the person who deeds the property is a grantor, the person who receives the property is called grantees. If it just says to Damian Jones, Robert Jones, and Esther Jones, and nothing else, it doesn't say tenants, uh, rights of survivorship, it doesn't say joint tenants, the law presumes then that it is tenants in common. And if there is no change in that deed, then when Miss Esther Jones dies or Mr. Damien Jones dies, either one of them dies, their one-third share will go to their heirs. So if Mr. Mr. Damien Jones had a will and say, let's just say he didn't have any children, but he wanted his share to go to his brother and sister, then his will should say, I give my share to my brother and sister. It would still require a probate of the will, but it would result in it going to his brother and sister. If, on the other hand, Mr. Damien Jones had two children and he wanted his share to go to his two children, then his will would say, I give my share to my two children. Even if he died without a will, but he was an owner as tenant in common, which is presumed if it doesn't say joint tenant, with his brother and sister, then when he dies, his share will go according to the law of intestacy. And the law of intestacy is the law that distributes property when you don't have a will. Okay, it's been a while since I've talked about it. But if you don't write a will, the law writes one for you. And the law says when you die, if you are married and you have children, your spouse gets a percentage share of your estate and your children get a percentage share of your estate. If you have not otherwise provided for them by will, by deed, or by beneficiary designation, okay? So Mr. Damien Jones, even if he died without a will, his share will go one part to his spouse if he is married and the other part to his children. What's important to know about this, and, and a lot of families don't realize this, they assume that it would only go to Mr. Damien Jones' children. But let's say Mr. Jones died, and when he, he didn't bother to do a will, that's always a mistake. Always do a will, please. And maybe his wife married somebody else, you know? But if he was married when he died, she gets a share of that, of what was his estate. If his intention is, it doesn't go to his wife, it goes only to his children, he's got to do a will that says that, all right? 
I've had people come to me where they haven't seen their child in 20 years. They know the child is alive, or maybe you know the child died, but that child had children, and they have one other child. They don't bother to do a will. And what they don't realize is when they die, the surviving child, which may be the only one that they've seen in 20 years, that surviving child may have been the only one that was there to take care of them, but that surviving child has to share half of their property with grandchildren, in one case, that the lady never saw in her lifetime. Just because she did not do a simple will that would have said, I leave everything to my one surviving child. So I beg of you, please beg your mothers, your fathers, your grandmothers, your aunts, your uncles to do a will. Just just do a, a properly drawn up, executed and witnessed will that's done by a lawyer that says, I leave my property to whoever it is that they want, whoever it is that expects to receive, because the law is real clear. You have a right to do this. If you don't do it, then this is how it's going to go. And ignorance of the law is no excuse, none whatever. doesn't matter that your mother didn't know that these unknown grandchildren would step into the shoes of her deceased child. And now you've got to pay the, these grandchildren who you never saw, your mother never knew, you've got to pay them half of the value of her property in order to be able to get it. They never bothered to call her. They never bothered to come and see her. And yet, just because she didn't do a will, that's the result that the law will, 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 will have. So if it is in your interest, and it certainly is, to secure your property rights, then tell your mother, tell your father, Mama, I heard this on the radio. This lawyer said, you've got to do a will for me. If you want me to be protected, you've got to do a will. Let's call. Let's get it done. And then you don't have to worry about it. Trust me, it is worth it. It really, truly is. You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. Uh, each week, I try to explain to you how the law works how you can protect yourself. We're in a position where you can definitely influence the next generation. Hello, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, thank you. Yes, I have a question. I have one adult child. Do I need a trust? Uh, Do I still need a trust, or can I just put his name on my deed? You don't want to put, well, I'll put it like this. I would recommend a trust. Even there, you don't want to put his name on the deed because, number one, uh, it will mean that if, God forbid, after you die, he wants to sell the property, he will have to pay more capital gains tax. I'm not sure I have time to explain all of it, but when you gift property to someone, like putting their name on the deed, which is really doing a new deed to yourself and him, 
you gift them your bases. So briefly what that means is if you paid 100000 for your house and when you die it's worth 500000 if he goes to sell the house, then he's going to pay capital gains on the difference between 100000 and 500000 okay? And that's like 20% of the difference. That's a big bill, a big tax bill that people don't expect. At least as the law is written right now, he would instead, if he gets it when you die, then he gets a, what's called a step-up in basis, which means that he doesn't have to pay that capital gains tax because he got it after you died. Now, a trust might be a way to do it. Depending on where you live, a transfer on death deed might be a way to do it. An enhanced life estate deed might be a way to do it. But you, you don't want to give your deed. You don't want to put his name on your deed right now. Okay, not not unless there's another good reason to do it. Okay, not every once in a while there's another good reason to do it. But uh, by and large, generally speaking, no, you don't want to do that right away. Okay, but it's a good question. It's something that people ask all the time, and I want people to understand. Thank you for calling in. Okay, because I I have clients whose parents did that, and they live in D.C. and they don't. Now they're trying to sell the property, their homes of the parents, and they are getting a big capital gains tax that they were not expecting. So if you got property that your name was put on the deed before the person died, make sure you go to a lawyer or to an accountant to calculate what is going to be your tax, not a state tax, what's going to be your capital gains tax on that before you list it with a broker. Because brokers don't tell you that you're going to have to pay capital gains tax on it. And people are selling property. They think they're going to get all this money, but in fact, 20% of it is going to go to pay a capital gains tax. That could have been avoided if the parent had, you know, talked to a lawyer about it and figured out another way to do it. Same same, you know, it still belongs to the child, but it gets to the child in a way least taxed burden and it's a big one it's a big one uh so i'd suggest strongly that you have at the very least a will and there might be a deed a type of deed a special kind of deed that would allow them to get the property when you died without going through probate still okay so give us a call if you're in this area we'll be glad to work with you about about that Okay. Thank you for calling in. Um, Unfortunately, we're almost at the end of the program. If you have questions, I understand that three other people had called, but by the time we were able to get you on the air, you had dropped the call. Please do hold on, and I'll be glad to answer your questions. I really want to because I want you to understand these things and to know how to protect yourself and to pass on this is intergenerational wealth. A lot of people wonder how can certain people have so much money and other people not. This is one of the ways in which it's done by using lawyers, by using the law to protect yourself and to protect those that you love that come behind you. This is how it's done. Okay? Uh, if you have any other questions, you can try to call in 1 800 450 7876. Uh, If not, you can call me at the office 
at 240-638-2828, 240-638-2828, and we'll be glad to talk with you. Because we're working remotely, it may take you know a day or so to get back to you, but we certainly do try to call. Uh, we certainly do try and call, get the information out to you, and to get the documents done. Uh, it's the only kind of law that we do. I'm very passionate about this because I see what a difference it can make in the lives of children, grandchildren, and the next generation. I've seen where by creating wills and or trusts with people, especially trusts, uh, some of my clients have been able to take what their parents left for them and build big businesses with it because they have the capital to put into their businesses uh, from either property that they receive without paying capital gains tax on it, uh, sometimes selling some of that to put into a business uh, and building it and then passing it on to their children or grandchildren who then do the same thing but make it bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's how it's done. And there's no reason why you can't do that. Whatever you are able to preserve and Pass on in the least expensive way to your church, to your schools, help somebody else. Uh, when it comes to churches, a lot of people want to leave their houses to churches. I recommend strongly that unless it's a house that the church can really use in its physical condition, instead you say or you provide in your will or your trust that the property can be sold by your trustee or by your personal representative, and then the money donated to the church. It's much easier, much more effective, and it benefits the church greatly. Uh, So there are all these different little things that are very, very important, and when they come up, they're not so little. So protect yourself. Come to a lawyer that does this kind of work, Get it done properly, and then you can rest well knowing that you are protected and those that you love and the causes that you believe in will benefit. Tune in next week. I will be back, as usual, with more information. Call me at 240-638-2828, and I'll be glad to work with you uh, to have the documents prepared, your will your power of attorney, your advanced medical directive, and perhaps a trust, uh, if that's indicated. And we'll explore what's the best way, the easiest, and the most cost-efficient way to protect yourself, preserve it, and pass it on. In the meantime, stay safe, 